Sanhedrin, the group I was telling you about, the 70 rulers. Okay? Now think about this. These rulers, they're the same ones that had Jesus crucified. Okay? And they did, they, they bypassed procedure. They weren't supposed to convene in the night, but they did. They had a little secret meeting underground, if you will, and made sure that this got carried out so that Jesus would be put to death immediately. Well, it's interesting because now these guys are brought before the Sanhedrin, and the text even mentions something in the passage, if you'll read through there, that the next day they were put in jail, and then the next day they were brought before the Sanhedrin. Oh, they're following procedure again now, huh? So they're brought in, and they're told... By, by what name? By what authority? Who do you think you are to go around doing this and teaching this in the name of Jesus? Who are you? What power do you have? Notice chapter 4, verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Notice the text, gang. Listen closely. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them... Now, now he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and notice what he says. He says, Rulers of the people and of Israel... If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? You want to know? You want to know? Listen to what he says, verse 10. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Boy, Peter and John could definitely use a little workshop seminar on... uh, Friendship evangelism, huh? <laughs> uh, how to influence people. What? Right, you read that book. Okay. Let it be known to you all that, that it's Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. You know what they did right there? They just quoted Old Testament Scripture. These men knew Old Testament Scripture. Can I tell you, that was a punch to the soul. God let them know. Because remember, who delivered that message? The Holy Spirit. It says, Peter, as the Holy Spirit empowered him, spoke this word. These guys knew, but they were in denial. Now, notice verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. I hope you heard that. There is no other name. If you're banking on eternal life, if you're banking on when it comes time to go to the grave that you're going to get there because of good works, or that you're going to get there because you were a member of a church, or that you're going to bank that you're going to get there because uh, you, you uh, are a faithful uh, Islamic follower, or you're a Buddhist, or you're any other religious organization or belief, did you hear what the Holy Spirit of God said? Did you hear what God said through His spokesperson? He says, there is no salvation, nor is there salvation in any other. 
There's no other way, gang. This is it. There's only one, one bridge to cross to the other side. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus. Now, I know this is a lot of background to get into the sermon, but you need to see this picture. You need to know what's going on. So here's Peter and John. They've healed the lame man. They're brought before the Sanhedrin. These people are all like in a tizzy. What are we going to do? Well, we can't do nothing. I mean, it's obvious the guy's healed. And one of the men speaks up and says, Listen, y'all remember how when the one guy tried to get that following up and, 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 and people began to follow after him and, and then before long it was crushed out? They're scattered now, nowhere to be found. Listen, if this is truly of God, first off, you're not going to fight against it. If it's of God, it's going to be done. And they all agree. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So they warn them. They tell them this. All right, Peter and John, here's the deal. Do not teach and preach this Jesus anymore. Now get out of here. Go. So they let them loose. They let them leave. But they warned them. They threatened them. This better stop. That's what they tell them. Now notice what happens. Here we go. Look with me, if you will, in today's text. And I had to keep piddling with this so we didn't time out. Oh, that's right, you fixed it. Praise the Lord. I got two hours in between. Okay, uh, just kidding. <laughs> Acts 4, 24 through 42 is today's text. Now notice this. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God. Oh, oh, by the way, let me stop right here. Let me stop right here. I didn't get to this point. Peter and John leave, right? They go back. Where do they go back to? They go to church. Woo! They go to church. They go back to their people, and they come in and say, you're not going to believe what happened to us. Oh, man, it was, it was crazy. We're down at the temple. The guy gets healed. The next thing you know, we're thrown in jail. The next morning, we're standing before the Sanhedrin. Can you imagine? The, really? What happened? Oh, tell us about it. Everybody's gathering around listening. It's exciting. So when they heard that, who? The church. When they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. Remember the model prayer? You think the disciples have learned to pray properly in the heart attitude, how to approach the throne of grace? Not a formula, but a genuine recognition. Now, with one accord, they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said. Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you who you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the, name of Je- through, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, think about this. They've come back to church. They've shared with the people what's happened, and what did they do? They went to their knees in prayer. They began to pray. And they didn't ask God to, to deliver them from the persecution. Oh, Lord, please, it's too much for me to handle. Get me out of this. No. In fact, they asked for boldness to preach and teach. And they had just been told, no, no, this ain't happening. And next week, we'll probably try and look at when is it okay to go against government? Because the Scripture teaches us very clearly we're to submit to those in authority, right? But this case, there was a higher authority. In fact, when John and Peter were standing before the Sanhedrin and they told them to go and not teach in this name anymore, their response to them was, are we, who are we to obey? Who are we to obey, God or man? You be the judge of that. There are times, and we'll look at that. But, but what about this? The question to this morning, how do we become a church empowered? How do we become a church empowered? I really believe God wants to empower Community Baptist Church to not only reach this town, but the surrounding areas. How's this going to happen? Well, I think there's some key things here. By the way, the... Um, Acts is a transitional book. I want to be up front with that. Most of you know this. You've been in church some time. You know that Acts is a transitional book. Okay? The Word of God had not been completed yet. The church had just been birthed. And so there are things that are happening here in the, in the book of Acts that is not the norm. There are apostolic gifts. The apostles had special gifts. And this was to validate that they were truly representatives of God. Okay, We don't need that today. We've got the written, the final authority, the beginning to the end. It's done. It's completed. Okay, So, so I don't have to stand up here and, and, and bring up a bunch of wheelchairs and watch everybody get out of their wheelchairs and do a funky dance. You know, that, that we don't need that. Okay, God is still in the healing business, but that's God's doing. All right? um, but anyways, all right. how do we become an empowered church? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to pray in unity. Pray in unity. Notice with me, if you would, verses 23 and 24. It talks about that when they came uh, from, from the persecution, that they came to their own. They came to their close companions. Why is the church important? This place is a place for you to develop relationships. Okay, This is a place for when you're facing troubles and trials and struggles and difficulties in life that you can come here and know you're not alone. Listen, every one of us have battles. Every one of us have burdens. The church has been designed for you and I to come together and to share some of these things. Uh, I'm I'm not naive, gang. I know every one of you. Every one of you have issues. We all do. We all have 
areas in life where we need help, encouragement, accountability. We need that. And John and Peter realized, and so they go back because let me just say this, there is nothing greater than being able to come to someone and share what you're dealing with, not have them condemn you, but to have them pray with you. And sometimes they have to give you the the hard news, the, the difficult things that maybe we don't want to hear, but we know we need to hear. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kiss of an enemy is deceitful. You see, the world will sugarcoat and tell you it's not that bad. A real friend sometimes may say, you know what? I know, I know you're struggling with this, but listen, we got to get victory. This, you, you don't need to be doing this. Now, that's not a condemnation. That's a true friend wanting to hopefully come alongside you and help you. That's what a church should be about. John and Peter knew this. So they come and they pray with their close companions. Now, the text says they prayed in one accord. That doesn't mean they all piled in a Honda. Now, you've heard the joke. I told you they're lame. But they all gather together. And this is interesting. And gang, we so miss this today. How are our prayer meetings? What are our prayer meetings like? We come together. Well, please pray for my Aunt Bessie. She's, she's got toe fungus again. And she's tried everything and I don't know. And just, you know, she's going to the doctor tomorrow to get some more ointment. Next person. Yeah... Uh, please pray for this guy at work. Um, can't think of his name, but uh, he, uh, he he's, he's um, looking at a new job. Where at? Well, I don't, I don't really know, but just pray for him. I mean, you know, and then the next person prays and says, uh, yeah, if you would, please uh, pray. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to buy a new car. And... Um, I can't make up my mind if I want to get a brand new one. There's this really nice one. It's $40,000. Or there's another one I get $50,000. But it's a lot, you know, better mileage as far as this you slightly. Been a, and we'll just go around the room. And, and listen, gang, please don't misunderstand what pastor's saying here. God cares about every decision. He does. And we should pray about every decision. And even the little things he does want to hear about. But we've lost focus. We forgot what it's like to pray in one accord. We're more about, uh, instead, of, instead of us having a focused prayer group, it's more of an individualistic prayer, prayer sharing. And there's really nothing done as far as in the way of, of, of sensing the, the presence and the power of God back in our prayer meetings. The early church understood. When they come together... They sought God with one heart. I don't believe this one says prayed in one accord that some people will take this that, oh, they all gather down at the front and everybody started praying out loud at the same time. Eh, that's a little confusing. Uh, I believe probably Peter led them in prayer. But their focus was on the same thing. In their hearts, they were crying out to God for the same thing. What were they crying out for? Well, obviously, they had just been told not to preach and teach Jesus. So this church body is seeking God in all His glory for who He is. So we need to pray in unity. We need to learn to do that. Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 133.1. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is 
for brethren to dwell together in unity. You know, that's one of the things about a church. If you want to see a church empowered, a church needs to be in unity. Amen? I mean, we've got to come together and, and put aside the petty differences on issues and realize there's a greater cause that we need to press towards. This is the one accord that God wants from His bride. We also need to pray with understanding. Pray with understanding. Um, notice, if you would, in verses 24 through 30 there in the text. Um, look at that again if you have your Bibles. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, you need to get a Bible. All right? Uh, even though I, I'm making it easy for most of you and I put the verses up here, everyone needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, see me. I'll get you a Bible. All right? Notice verses 24 uh, and, and following. It says, So, when they heard that, they raised their voice. They, to God, with one accord, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. Notice what they begin to do. They begin to pray with reverence. They begin to pray with reverence. You notice when they cry out to the Lord, the word used there is a specific word. It's the word despote. It's the word that uh, we may know today. It's where we get the word despot. Now, when we think of despot, we think of a ruler who's evil or wicked, all right, who's going to use all of his power to, to get others under their submission. But that's because man has fallen. But the word in its purest form, when it, re, when it relates to Lord God, it means absolute ruler. And in the purest form of who God is, he's not the, the mean, ugly, you know, wanting to throw a lightning bolt at you kind of God that some people may picture. That's because we think from a fallen mind, not a pure mind. But in its purest sense, this is what they were praying. Lord, sovereign God, you are in control of everything. Everything that goes on, you are in control of. They knew who they were talking to. Do you realize no matter what your circumstances are this morning, whatever you're facing, whatever situation you're dealing with, God is in absolute control over all of it. He allows things into our life sometimes, and usually He's either allowing it into our life to draw us to Himself if we don't know Him. Sometimes He allows it in, 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 into our lives because we do know Him and we've gotten away from Him, and He's trying to draw us back because He loves us. Sometimes He allows things to happen just simply for His glory. And we don't always know how this is going to work out, but we can trust this if we know Him, that He's allowed it because He's sovereign, He's in full control of everything. And if He's allowed it, it's for His glory and it's for my good. It's for my good. And that's tough. That, that's part of being uh, maturing as a Christian, to get to that point. But notice... Uh, not only did they pray with reverence. Remember the model prayer, hallowed be thy name? Here they're hallowing his name. They recognize he's sovereign, he's absolute ruler. They pray back his word. Notice this, verse 25. It says this, it says, Who by the mouth of your servant David has said. 
You see, they're praying back Scripture. This next passage is Psalm 2. It's from Psalm 2. Listen to what they say. Why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. If you think this book is a stuffy book, you don't know the God of this book. You don't know the author of this book. You see what happened here. These folks, they knew this was the living word. They had just seen this fulfilled. Psalm 2, think about it. They grew up reading Psalm 2. And now all of a sudden, Psalm 2 was carried out in their life. What does it say? They quoted it. They prayed it back in prayer. They prayed back the Bible. Why did the nations rage? The people plot vain things. Look, they give their answer in 27. For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. They knew. And what we talk about here, guys, you see I put up here biblical worldview. Here's what's got to happen. If we're going to become a church that's empowered, we've got to start to think biblically. Can I tell you, this is an area most Christians, they do not have a biblical worldview. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, think with me. If you put on uh, 3D glasses, all right, those glasses are specially designed so that you can see the crazy movie coming at you, right? Okay, without those, it's a blur. You can't, you know, I know they've gotten better at it. You, I think now you can actually watch both with or without the glasses. Back in our days, it was a blur. I mean, you know, you had to have the glasses in order to see clear. When you go through this world, if you don't have biblical lenses, if you don't have biblical glasses, you're not going to see what's, what the picture really is. Okay? You're not going to get a clear understanding of what's going on. The Israelites, the Sanhedrin, these people didn't have a clear understanding of what's going on. Oh, they thought they did. They studied the Scriptures, but they missed it. They weren't seeing what was being fulfilled right in their eyes. Psalm 22, if you ever get a chance, look it up. All right, These are Messianic Psalms. These are Psalms that predicted Christ. And we're talking hundreds of years before Jesus was even here. And it talks about how He would be crucified. Very much in detail. Isaiah 53. Get a chance to read it. I mean, we're talking hundreds of years before Jesus is on the earth. Very specific. But we've got to begin to think biblically. We've got to begin to filter all of life through the lens of God's Word. See things for what they really are. Uh, they recognize God is sovereign. We talked about that. Now, now how about this? Um, another thing, you'll notice what they did. We also need to pray requests according to God's plan and purpose. That last uh, verse there that I read in 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and... and um, or actually, I'm sorry, back in 28... He says, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determine before to be done. Remember the story? Jesus before Pilate. And, and Pilate says to him, don't you understand I've got the power to let you go free or to kill you? And Jesus' response, the only authority and power you've been given, if you have any, it's been given to you from my Father. He wasn't going to be able to do anything unless God allowed it. Jesus knew this. Gang, we need to know this. I don't care what circumstances we're facing. We need to realize 
It's got to bypass Almighty God before it can be carried out. Now, some people say, well, shame on God then. Why does He let this happen? And why did this happen? And they get angry towards God. You see, they don't understand God and His grace and love. We don't need to be blaming God. We need to be looking at sinful self. You want to know why problems are in the world? You want to know why there's murder and there's rape and there's disease and there's all the sickness and just the horrible, horrible stuff that goes on in this world? It's because of sin. It's because we chose to turn our back on a holy, loving Creator. We wanted to do things our way. And guess what? God respected our choice and He's given us what we wanted. We need to be asking this question. Why would God want to save us? I don't deserve saving. If I got what I deserve, the, the wickedness, the sinfulness that I have done against a holy God, I deserve hell. I do. I deserve hell. But I am so thankful that God's not given us what we deserve. He wants to give us grace. He wants to give us forgiveness. And can I tell you, if you're here this morning and you have never experienced the grace and forgiveness of God, He wants to give you that this morning. But the choice is yours. You can accept and receive that grace and have your sins forgiven. Or you can reject it. This is your choice. Peter told the folks, repent and be converted. Put your trust in Jesus, whom you crucified. He'll forgive you. We crucified Jesus too. It's because of our sin He went to the cross. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is our message. This is the message Peter and John were trying to share. They prayed uh, their request according to God's plan and purpose. Isn't that what Jesus showed us by example? Not my will be done, but thy will. Remember the prayer last week we looked at? Thy will be done. Notice. Um, also here in this text. Look with me in verses 29 and 30. Notice the emphasis in their prayer. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Whose word? His word. Notice what else they said. That also um, by stretching out your hand. Whose hand? God's hand. Um, they also said uh, to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant. They knew it wasn't them. Church, it's not us, but God wants to use us. He's the one who wants to do the healing in lives. He's the one that wants to do the forgiving of sins. He's asked us to be His witnesses. He's asked us to be a spokesperson. So, last point. We also need to pray for results. Um, verse 31. Notice what happened. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You see, they had confidence in God, not their circumstances. 
Some of us sometimes, just as Peter, when he got out of the boat and began to walk on water, it was doing fine for a while as long as he had his eyes on Jesus, but the minute he took, started looking at the storm, he started sinking. Some of us, this happens. We get our eyes on our circumstances. We need to get our eyes back on Christ. They had confidence in their God, uh, not their circumstances. Notice this passage. Now, uh, 1 John 5.14, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Hebrews 11.6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Church, do you really believe that we serve the living God? Well, then our lives should really be transformed in amazing ways. We should be a church that's empowered because if we really believe it, then we're going to live it. If I really believe it's pouring rain like it was Friday and I've got an umbrella... If I really believe that umbrella is going to protect me under the rain, I'm going to use it. I'm going to walk with it. But if I don't really believe it, I may leave it sitting. By the way, I thought this was interesting. Side note. I was encouraged. That rain came on Friday. And if you remember a couple of Sundays ago, our message was preparing the soil for rain. And I listen, well, I don't, we don't need to read tea leaves. We don't buy into signs. But I, for me, it was just a, a, a symbolic encouragement to my heart, to my soul, that God was, was hearing. He's sending a rain. And the rain, R-E-I-G-N, for our soul, S-O-U-L, is what we need as a church. But we got to know that if we come to Him, we got to believe He is. He is despota. He is absolute ruler. And that He hears us. We also need to believe that He is a rewarder of those who will diligently, earnestly in prayers we've talked about, seek Him. We've got to begin to earnestly seek after God. Now, how do we become a church empowered? Pray in unity. We also um, need to pray with understanding. We also need to pray for results. There's a key insight um, in the early church. You'll notice in the closing verses. Look with me, if you would, in 32 and 33. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart in one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Underline the word accord, one accord. Throughout the book of Acts, you'll find they were like-minded. They were in agreement because they knew their purpose. Church, one of the things we've been asking for God is to determine to give us His plan, His purpose. And if we will unify behind that purpose and that goal, and we'll move forward seeking after it in unity with one heart, with one soul, having things in common, moving towards that goal. I can tell you right now, God will empower this church as long as we are seeking to carry out His will in this community. You see, Peter and John have been sharing what they witnessed. 
They knew what Jesus had done in their life. They knew who Jesus was. Church, do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what he's done for your life? They gathered together with those. They prayed. God empowered them. And then they asked for boldness to go and share it. Guess where the church, if you keep reading, guess where they go after that? Solomon's porch. That gate. And they begin to preach and teach with boldness the name of Jesus. Now, was it rebellion? No, it wasn't rebellion. It was obedience. It was obedience to the highest power, Almighty God. Church, we must not lose sight of our mission. We have a mission. Here's your marching orders. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, we must win the loss. That's our mission. We've got to seek and save in LaGrange, surrounding community, who's lost. I've got a challenge for you. Here's my challenge. This week, I want every one of us to try and find a family, a neighbor, a co-worker, someone in a store that you just met, maybe the post office. Invite them. Invite them to church. Okay? Now, they may already be involved in church somewhere. That's fine. It doesn't hurt to invite them. But I can tell you, if we as a church are seeking God, I believe God will put us into the path of someone who needs to hear the life-changing message that we have. Our mission is to win the loss. So, next Sunday, I want to see this church filled because everybody's invited at least one person. You know, if you invite one person next week and they come... So you may have to invite 20 before you get one. Won't it be an encouragement to your heart and soul? Won't it be encouraging to know that God has allowed us this opportunity? Listen, there's opportunity. We just got to be obedient. Now, I believe, just as that passage spoke, we're not just to make converts. That's great, to win the loss. Make converts, that's great. But gang, that's not what Jesus said. He said make disciples. And I believe what we need to do is to make strong and bold disciples for Jesus Christ. But before we can do that, the church must be shaken from on high. We've got to keep asking, seeking, and knocking. This 30-30 prayer team that's going, we've got to continue. We've got to keep asking God. Pray for, for your pastor. I know, some, I know you are. Many of you have spoken to me that you're doing that. Pray for this pastor that I will hear clear as God wants to, to lead my heart and move as I prepare these messages to bring you nourishment and strength from God's truth. Because again, it's Him. But we all need to be willing, able, and clean vessels for that.
Peter and John. gave the lame man exactly what he needed. You see, he was outside the temple, unable to come in. He was in need. He was poor. And they had, not silver and gold to give him, but what he really needed. He was a beggar. And they were able to hear his plea and provide him with exactly what was best. Because I believe the man was converted, obviously, and put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Do you realize this exactly what the sinner out there is like? The lame man represents them. We have an opportunity to share with them the hope. And, and they can't truly be a part of God's family until they have been forgiven of their sins. So they've been healed, spiritually speaking. Now they're begging, and sometimes they don't even know what they're begging for. Some are begging for pleasure. Some are begging for fame or fortune. But really what their heart's crying out for is, God, help me. I need a Savior. I'm lost. Church, we have the life-changing message, and it's up to us to go with boldness. Let's pray. Father, you are in full control of the future of this church. And Lord, I know you've already mapped out ahead of us a game plan and a purpose. And Lord, I know that um, your desire is that we would follow you in obedience. And Lord, I pray for this church that that's exactly what we would do, Lord. Your word tells us that you're not willing that any should perish, that all would come to repentance. And Lord, you've told us that we are to be your witnesses, that our responsibility is to go and make disciples. Lord, help us as we go throughout this week to tell others about Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to invite others so that next week we gather back here, that we've done our part in listening to you and, and going to the person that you might lay on our heart. And Lord, it's not up to us to get them to come, but help us just to be obedient to do what you tell us to do. Lord, we may invite 100 people this week and no one show up. But that's okay. If these are the ones that you've put on our heart and we've been obedient to that, then, Lord, to you be the glory. I pray, Lord, you help us to be the church empowered from on high. And so I'm asking you, God, shake us. Lord, send your Holy Spirit in a way that we would yield our life to his full control, that each day of our life we would not live for self, but we would live for you and your glory in your kingdom, because just as you went away in the clouds, Lord, you will return for your church. So help us to be mindful of this. We'll give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask, um, uh, as the hymn, as the final song plays, during a song of invitation, maybe you're here today, you don't know Christ. Can I encourage you that today is the day of salvation? Maybe God spoke to you this morning and you know you're like, the, you're like the beggar, you're like the lame man. Spiritually speaking, you're in bad shape. I want to ask in just a moment if you would do as the beggar did, as the lame man did, and leap to your feet. And I want you to come forward. 
acknowledging, you know what, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I'm lost. I realize without Jesus Christ, I have no hope. So I'm going to ask you to repent and be converted. Turn from your life and put your hope and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I realize that um, for some that's a scary step. But think of the alternative. What if you were to go out these doors today and this was the last chance you had to respond to a gospel message? God's not willing for you to perish, but the choice is yours. And there's no doubt He's brought you here today to hear the truth of God's Word. And if God has spoken to you and said this is what you need to do, then I'm going to ask you to come forward and I want to share with you from God's truth how you can know for sure your sins have been forgiven and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. When I ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes, if that's you, if that was you that, I, that, that was spoken to in that moment, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and just get up. Just come on down here. Don't worry about what the person beside you is thinking because ultimately you won't stand next to them when you stand in judgment. You'll stand before a holy, just God and you will stand without excuse. If you need to get things right today, I want you to come. Just step out of the seat and come forward. Father, you know the hearts of every person here. You know who belongs to you and who doesn't. And Lord, I pray because I know you're sovereign and you are absolute ruler. And Lord, there's no doubt you're dealing with some, some hearts here, but now's not the time. I pray your mercy upon them that you would prolong their day long enough for them to have another opportunity to respond to this life-changing message. Because, God, this is too important for them to leave without having it settled. Father, thank you for this church. I pray that you empower us, Lord, to be your people. And we'll give you all the praise in Christ's name. Amen. Hope to see you all back here tonight. I'll meet you and greet you on your way out. But um, something special this evening, I hope you'll come and be a part of it. Thank you all.